Section 17 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section 17. When it was the five hundred and seventy-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the wazir held aloof from his wife, whilst she knew not the cause of his wrath. At last, being weary of the longsome neglect, she sent for her sire and told him the case. Whereupon quoth he, I will complain of him to the king at some time when he is in the presence. So one day he went into the king, and, finding the wazir and the kazi of the army before him, complained thus, saying, Almighty Allah, amend the king's case. I had a fair flower-garden, which I planted with mine own hand, and thereon spent my substance till it bare fruit, and its fruitage was ripe for plucking, when I gave it to this thy wazir, who ate of it what seemed good to him, then deserted it and watered it not, so that its bloom wilted and withered, and its sheen departed and its state changed. Then said the wazir, O my king, this man saith sooth, I did indeed care for and guard the garden, and kept it in good condition, and ate thereof, till one day I went thither, and I saw the trail of the lion there, wherefore I feared for my life, and withdrew from the garden. The king understood him that the trail of the lion meant his own seal-ring, which he had forgotten in the woman's house. So he said, Return, O wazir, to thy flower-garden, and fear nothing, for the lion came not near it. It hath reached me that he went thither, but by the honour of my fathers and forefathers he offered it no hurt. Hearkening and obedience answered the minister, and, returning home, sent for his wife, and made his peace with her, and thenceforth put faith in her chastity. This I tell thee, O king, continued the wazir, for no other purpose save to let thee know how great is their craft, and how precipitancy bequeatheth repentance. And I have also heard the following story of the confectioner, his wife, and the parrot. Once upon a time there dwelt in Egypt a confectioner who had a wife famed for beauty and loveliness, and a parrot which, as occasion required, did the office of watchman and guard, bell and spy, and flapped her wings did she but hear a fly buzzing about the sugar. This parrot caused abundant trouble to the wife, always telling her husband what took place in his absence. Now one evening, before going out to visit certain friends, the confectioner gave the bird strict injunctions to watch all night, and bade his wife make all fast, as he should not return until morning. Hardly had he left the door than the woman went for her old lover, who returned with her, and they passed the night together in mirth and merriment, while the parrot observed all. 
Betimes in the morning the lover fared forth, and the husband returning was informed by the parrot of what had taken place, whereupon he hastened to his wife's room and beat her with a painful beating. She thought in herself, Who could have informed against me? And she asked a woman that was in her confidence whether it was she. The woman protested by the worlds, visible and invisible, that she had not betrayed her mistress but informed her that on the morning of his return home the husband had stood some time before the cage listening to the parrot's talk when the wife heard this she resolved to contrive the destruction of the bird some days after the husband was again invited to the house of a friend where he was to pass the night and before departing he enjoined the parrot with the same injunctions as before wherefore his heart was free from care for he had his spy at home the wife and her confidant then planned how they might destroy the credit of the parrot with the master for this purpose they resolved to counterfeit a storm and this they did by placing over the parrot's head a hand-mill which the lover worked by pouring water upon a piece of hide by waving a fan and by suddenly uncovering a candle hid under a dish thus did they raise such a tempest of rain and lightning that the parrot was drenched and half drowned in a deluge now rolled the thunder then flashed the lightning that from the noise of the hand-mill this from the reflection of the candle when thought the parrot to herself in very sooth the flood hath come on such an one as belike noah himself never witnessed so saying she buried her head under her wing a prey to terror the husband on his return hastened to the parrot to ask what had happened during his absence and the bird answered that she found it impossible to describe the deluge and tempest of the last night and that years would be required to explain the uproar of the hurricane and storm when the shopkeeper heard the parrot talk of last night's deluge he said surely o bird thou art gone clean daft where was there even in a dream rain or lightning last night thou hast utterly ruined my house and ancient family my wife is the most virtuous woman of the age and all thine accusations of her are lies so in his wrath he dashed the cage upon the ground tore off the parrot's head and threw it from the window presently his friend coming to call upon him saw the parrot in this condition with head torn off and without wings or plumage being informed of the circumstances he suspected some trick on the part of the woman and said to the husband when your wife leaves home to go to the hammam bath compel her confidant to disclose the secret so as soon as his wife went out the husband entered his harem and insisted on the woman telling him the truth she recounted the whole story and the husband now bitterly repented having killed the parrot of whose innocence he had proof this i tell thee o king continued the wazir that thou mayst know how great art the craft and malice of women and that to act in haste leadeth to repent at leisure so the king turned from slaying his son but next day the favorite came in to him and kissing the ground before him said o king why dost thou delay to do me justice 
Indeed the kings have heard that thou commandest a thing, and thy wazir countermandeth it. Now the obedience of kings is in the fulfillment of their commandments, and every one knows thy justice and equity. So do thou justice for me on the prince. I also have heard tell a tale concerning the fuller and his son. There was once a man which was a fuller, and he used every day to go forth to the tigress bank a cleaning clothes. And his son was wont to go with him that he might swim whilst his father was fulling, nor was he forbidden from this. One day, as the boy was swimming, he was taken with cramp in the forearms and sank, whereupon the fuller plunged into the water and caught hold of him, but the boy clung about him and pulled him down, and so father and son were both drowned. Thus it is with thee, O king, except thou prevent thy son and do me justice on him, I fear lest both of you sink together, thou and he. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and eightieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the favorite had told her tale of the fuller and his son, she ended with, I fear lest both of you sink together, thou and he. Moreover, continued she, for an instance of the malice of men, I have heard tell a tale concerning the rake's trick against the chaste wife. A certain man loved a beautiful and lovely woman, a model of charms and grace, married to a man whom she loved and who loved her. Moreover, she was virtuous and chaste, like unto me, and her rake of a lover found no way to her. So when his patience was at an end, he devised a device to win his will. Now the husband had a young man, whom he had brought up in his house, and who was in high trust with him as his steward. So the rake addressed himself to the youth, and ceased not insinuating himself into his favor by presents and fair words and deeds, till he became more obedient to him than the hand to the mouth, and did whatever he ordered him. One day he said to him, Hark ye, such an one, wilt thou not bring me into the family dwelling-place some time when the lady is gone out? Yes, answered the young steward, so, when his master was at the shop and his mistress gone forth to the hammam, he took his friend by the hand, and, bringing him into the house, showed him the sitting-rooms and all that was therein. Now the lover was determined to play a trick upon the woman, so he took the white of an egg which he had brought with him in a vessel, and spilt it on the merchant's bedding, unseen by the young man, after which he returned thanks, and, leaving the house, went his way. In an hour or so the merchant came home, and going to the bed to rest himself, found thereon something wet. So he took it up in his hand, and looked at it, and deemed it man's seed. Whereat he stared at the young man with eyes of wrath, and asked him, Where is thy mistress? And he answered, She is gone forth to the hammam, and will return forthright after she has made her ablutions. When the man heard this, his suspicion concerning the seaman was confirmed, and he waxed furious, and said, Go at once, and bring her back. 
the steward accordingly fetched her and when she came before her husband the jealous man sprang upon her and beat her a grievous beating then binding her arms behind her offered to cut her throat with a knife but she cried out to the neighbors who came to her and she said to them this my man hath beat me unjustly and without cause and is minded to kill me though i know not what is mine offence so they rose up and asked him why hast thou dealt thus with her and he answered she is divorced quoth they thou hast no right to maltreat her either divorce her or use her kindly for we know her prudence and purity and chastity indeed she hath been our neighbour this long time and we wot no evil of her quoth he when i came home i found on my bed seed like human sperm and i know not the meaning of this upon this a little boy one of those present came forward and said show it to me nuncle mine when he saw it he smelt it and calling for fire and a frying-pan he took the white of egg and cooked it so that it became solid then he ate of it and made the husband and the others taste of it and they were certified that it was white of egg so the husband was convinced that he had sinned against his wife's innocence she being clear of all offence and the neighbours made peace between them after the divorce and he prayed her pardon and presented her with an hundred gold pieces and so the wicked lover's cunning trick came to naught and know o king that this is an instance of the malice of men and their perfidy when the king heard this he bade his son be slain but on the next day the second wazir came forward for intercession and kissed ground in prostration whereupon the king said raise thy head prostration must be made to allah only so the minister rose from before him and said o king hasten not to slay thy son for he was not granted to his mother by the almighty but after despair nor didst thou expect such good luck and we hope that he will live to become a guerdon to thy reign and a guardian of thy good wherefore have patience o king belike he will offer a fit excuse and if thou make haste to slay him thou wilt surely repent even as the merchant white repented asked the king and how was it with the merchant o wazir and the wazir answered o king i have heard a tale of the miser and the loaves of bread there was once a merchant who was a niggard and miserly in his eating and drinking one day he went on a journey to a certain town and as he walked in the market streets behold he met an old trot with two scones of bread which looked sound and fair he asked her are these for sale and she answered yes so he beat her down and bought them at the lowest price and took them home to his lodging where he ate them that day when morning morrowed he returned to the same place and finding the old woman there with other two scones bought these also and thus he ceased not during twenty-five days space when the old wife disappeared he made enquiry for her but could hear no tidings of her till one day as he was walking about the high streets he chanced upon her 
So he accosted her, and after the usual salutation, and with much praise and politeness, asked why she had disappeared from the market, and ceased to supply the two cakes of bread. Hearing this, at first she evaded giving him a reply, but he conjured her to tell him her case. So she said, Hear my excuse, O my lord, which is that I was attending upon a man who had a corroding ulcer on his spine, and his doctor bade us knead flour with butter into a plaster, and lay it on the place of pain, where it abode all night. In the morning I used to take that flour and turn it into dough, and make it into two scones, which I cooked and sold to thee or to another. But presently the man died, and I was cut off from making cakes. When the merchant heard this he repented, whenas repentance availed him naught, saying, Verily we are Allah's, and verily unto him we are returning. There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in him the glorious, the great. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and eighty-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the old trot told the merchant the provenance of the scones, he cried, There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah, the glorious, the great. And he repeated the saying of the Most High, Whatever evil falleth to thee, it is from thyself, and vomited till he fell sick, and repented whenas repentance availed him not. Moreover, O king, continued the second wazir, I have heard tell of the malice of women, a tale of the lady and her two lovers. Once upon a time there was a man who was sword-bearer to one of the kings, and he loved a damsel of the common sort. One day he sent his page to her with a message, as of wont between them, and the lad sat down with her and toyed with her. She inclined to him and pressed him to her breast, and groped him and kissed him, whereupon he sought carnal connection of her, and she consented. But as the two were thus, lo, the youth's master knocked at the door. So she pushed the page through a trap-door into an underground chamber there, and opened the door to his lord, who entered, hending sword in hand, and sat down upon her bed. Then she came up to him, and sported, and toyed with him, kissing him, and pressing him to her bosom. And he took her, and lay with her. Presently her husband knocked at the door, and the gallant asked her, Who is that? Whereto she answered, My husband. Quoth he, How shall I do? Quoth she, Draw thy sword, and stand in the vestibule, and abuse me, and revile me. And when my husband comes in to thee, do thou go forth and wend thy ways. He did as she bade him, and when the husband entered, he saw the king's sword-bearer standing with naked brand in hand, abusing and threatening his wife. But when the lover saw him, he was ashamed, and sheathing his scimitar, went forth the house. Said the man to his wife, What means this? And she replied, O man, how blessed is the hour of thy coming! Thou hast saved a true believer from slaughter, and it happed after this fashion. I was on the house-terrace spinning, when, behold, there came up to me a youth, distracted and panting for fear of death, 
fleeing from yonder man, who followed upon him as hard as he could with his drawn sword. The young man fell down before me, and kissed my hands and feet, saying, O protector of thy mercy, save me from him who would slay me wrongously. So I hid him in that underground chamber of ours, and presently in came yonder man to me, naked brand in hand, demanding the youth, but I denied him to him, whereupon he fell to abusing and threatening me as thou sawest. And praised be Allah who sent thee to me, for I was distraught and had none to deliver me. Well hast thou done, O woman, answered the husband. Thy reward is with Allah the Almighty, and may he abundantly requite thy good deed. Then he went to the trap-door and called to the page, saying, Come forth, and fear not, no harm shall befall thee. So he came out, trembling for fear, and the husband said, Be of good cheer, none shall I hurt thee, condoling with him on what had befallen him, whilst the page called down blessings on his head. Then they both went forth, nor was that Cornuto, nor was the page aware of that which the woman had contrived. This then, O king, said the wazir, is one of the tricks of women, so beware lest thou rely upon their words. The king was persuaded, and turned from putting his son to death. But on the third day the favorite came in to him, and, kissing the ground before him, cried, O king, do me justice on thy son, and be not turned from thy purpose by thy minister's prate, for there is no good in wicked wazirs. And be not as the king of Baghdad, who relied on the word of a certain wicked counsellor of his. Quoth he, And how was that? Quoth she, There hath been told me, O auspicious and well-advised king, a tale of the king's son and the ogress. A certain king had a son whom he loved and favoured with exceeding favour over all his other children. And this son said to him one day, O my father, I have a mind to fare a coursing and a hunting. So the king bade furnish him, and commanded one of his wazirs to bear him company, and do all the service he needed during his trip. The minister accordingly took everything that was necessary for the journey, and they set out with a retinue of eunuchs and officers and pages, and rode on, sporting as they went, till they came to a green and well-grassed champagne, abounding in pasture and water and game. Here the prince turned to the minister and told him that the place pleased him, and he purposed to halt there. So they sat down in that site, and they loosed the falcons and lynxes and dogs, and caught great plenty of game, whereat they rejoiced and abode there some days, in all joyance of life and its delight. Then the king's son gave the signal for departure, but, as they went along, a beautiful gazelle, as if the sun rose shining from between her horns, that had strayed from her mate, sprang up before the prince, whereupon his soul longed to make prize of her, and he coveted her. So he said to the wazir, I have a mind to follow that gazelle. And the minister replied, Do what seemeth good to thee. Thereupon the prince rode single-handed after the gazelle, till he lost sight of his companions, and chased her all that day till dusk, when she took refuge in a bit of rocky ground, and darkness closed in upon him. Then he would have turned back, but knew not the way. 
whereat he was sore concerned and said there is no majesty and there is no might save in allah the glorious the great he sat his mare all night till morning dawned in quest of relief but found none and when the day appeared he fared on at hazard fearful famished thirsty and knowing not whither to wend till it was noon and the sun beat down upon him with burning heat by that time he came in sight of a great city with massive base and lofty bulwarks but it was ruined and desolate nor was there any live thing therein save owl and raven as he stood among the buildings marvelling at their ordinance lo his eyes fell on a damsel young beautiful and lovely sitting under one of the city walls wailing and weeping copious tears so he drew nigh to her and asked who art thou and who brought thee hither she answered i am called bint al-tamimah daughter of al-tiyak king of the grey country i went out one day to obey a call of nature when an ifrit of the jinn snatched me up and soared with me between heaven and earth but as he flew there fell on him a shooting star in the form of a flame of fire and burned him and i dropped here where these three days i have hungered and thirsted but when i saw thee i longed for life and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say end of section seventeen recording by eva easton slotesburg new york January 2012.